All right, we're going to play a little this or that. You ready? Yeah. Beach or big city? Beach, for of, sure. Of course. <laughs> Itinerary or fill it out? Uh, mm, feel it out. Talk to strangers or not? Nah? Talk to strangers. Revisit your favorite countries or always somewhere new? Revisit. Party hard or lay your ass down? <laughs> uh, mm. Gotta pick one. Uh, party hard, why not? History or food? Food. And I know you're a book person, so fiction or you like a good deep bio? <laughs> Definitely fiction. Something light. Something I can read on the beach or read on a train. I don't want to be like twisted up emotionally. Okay. Some of those deep bios. Well, you need a little romance novel? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nice. Society 101 family, we are here in LA for the weekend and I got to link up with Francesca of One Girl, One World. What's up? How are you? <laughs> good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm having a good time here in LA, man. I had a great weekend, came out here for work, got to have a little playing, hit a few of my favorite spots, the sunshine. The sunshine always gets me. It's not sunny in New York right now? It's not. And you would what? think it's summer. It's hot, guaranteed hot, but it's yeah. been raining crazy all summer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, like even getting here, I had a four-hour delay oh my God. sitting on a tarmac in the airport. <gasps> and um, and then when we landed, there was still like another half-hour delay. So the, the flight, which is supposed to be five hours and 45 minutes, ended yeah. up being like 10 hours. So I could have been in like Accra, Ghana oh <laughs> instead of coming to LA, <laughs> but here crazy. I am. Um, but no, the sunshine always gets me. Like New York is just so busy all the time, and when I get here and I see the palm trees and the mountains and the far, yeah. I'm just like, huh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and I got into. Um, I, I came out here for a photo shoot and then uh, got the chance to hit Everyday People, which was turned up. Have you ever heard of Everyday People? No, never heard of it before. So it's a day party. I believe started out in New York. It's uh, Chef Robley, DJ Moma, and that whole crew. Um, but it's a real, like, cool cultural experience. Um, I believe started in New York, but comes out here in a few other cities. So if you ever get a chance to go, definitely check it out. Yeah, I saw on your Instagram stories last night. It looked fun. It was very fun. It was very fun. And I think they definitely brought, like, the Caribbean Afrobeats vibe out here in L.A., which was cool because I've never experienced yeah, that out here before. Yeah, we don't really have that out here. Yeah, it was different. Yeah. It was different. So for the culture enthusiasts, if you're ever out in L.A., definitely see if everyday people's throwing something and check that out. But, um... So yeah, let's go back to the the book question. Um, are you reading any good books right now? I just finished a book called The Wedding Date, and then before that, I finished the Crazy Rich Asians trilogy. That movie, I saw the preview for, it and I have no idea what it's about. What <laughs> can you just, without spoiling it, obviously, what is the movie about yeah. or the book? So it's about. Crazy rich Asians, but when I first picked up the book, I thought they meant crazy as in like psychologically, like these people are crazy. Oh, they're like crazy rich. Yeah, crazy rich. Oh, I thought they meant crazy too, like yeah. local crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like they should have made that more clear just because not everybody has read the book. Yeah. And not everybody will be interested enough to go look at what it means. Right. But 
It was really good. I recommend it. I'm excited okay. about the movie. Okay, cool. And what was the other book? The other book was The Wedding Date. And how was that? What is that about? It was good. It's about this couple. Well, they weren't a couple when they met. They met on the elevator. And mm-hmm. it was interesting because it was the first book that I've read with like a biracial, or not biracial, but the main character is an interracial couple in okay. an interracial relationship. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Cool. I think meeting in an elevator, that's got to be hard because it's like you have, what, 20 seconds to make <laughs> your move on somebody or get off awkwardly on the same floor as them <laughs> sort of like make your pitch <laughs> that's so funny no actually well what happened was they got on the elevator at the same time and it got stuck there was a oh. yeah so they had a that's, little that's just god then that's god god yeah. gave him that gave him that in to make his move yeah it was like destiny yeah i like that um so let's get into some travel all right one girl one world tell us about your platform what is it all about so it started out, it started almost five years ago now, which I can't believe, um, as just a blog to record my travels. I didn't really see that many people of color at the time that were recording their experiences mm-hmm. online. And I was obsessed with travel. So everyone I looked up to was either Anthony Bourdain mm-hmm. or like Rick Steves, all very typical white males. So I just, from the start, my goal was to kind of like shift the narrative and just show that anyone can do it. And over right. time, as I traveled, I went to the Caribbean, and then people responded really well, and I loved it. So now that's my new mission, is to expose more people to Caribbean travel. Nice. And you're from L.A. originally? Yep. And still live in L.A.? Yeah. What is that experience like? Because I think, and I, I've talked about this on previous episodes, people have a certain perception of L.A., who they mm-hmm. think L.A. people are. Yeah. The same way people think, New Yorkers are mean, which we're not. Every every native New Yorker I know, I can't say every, there's obviously mean people everywhere, but yeah. most native New Yorkers I know are not mean or, and are not the stereotype of what people think. So I'm assuming the same of LA. Yeah, and it's funny that you say that because I personally believe that everybody in New <laughs> Am York I, is Do like I seem mean to you? No, but you're so nice. That's why I asked you. I was like, mm, are you from Grenada or are you actually from I'm New York? I'm from New yeah, York. No, so we're, we're really cool. We're really cool people, I yeah. promise. <laughs> Because the last time I was in New York, I was on the train, and there was a guy next to me, and he was blocking the door of the subway, and the guy behind him, he was just like, move. Yeah. Like, he didn't say, excuse me. I, I don't know. It was just like, wow, that was rough. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, granted, I will tell you this. There are situational things in New York that are different than anywhere else that okay. are very frustrating. And so things like the train, I'm way nicer when I don't have to take the train out. <laughs> okay. The train, the weather is terrible. So different things like that can make New Yorkers more aggressive. But in mm-hmm. general, in like a regular social setting, New Yorkers are very nice people. Oh, okay. And also very helpful. Like I think people underestimate like how, like if there's someone who just fell down, New Yorkers don't just walk over people. I think that's the idea of like, New York is like, well, gotta keep Trimble. it moving. Exactly, exactly. It's not like that yeah. at all. But um, yeah, my, my understanding of LA people is different now that I've come a lot more times. But when I first, one of the first few times I came out here, I was really engaging with a lot of the stereotype, which is like yeah. superficial and I'm somebody special and I don't want to talk to you unless I've sort of vetted through like who you know and what you're about. But that's not real LA people. No. Because you don't seem like that. No, not I am not. So we're learning we're learning about each other's cities and each other's people. (laughs) (laughs) That we're like breaking stereotypes for each other. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what what do you think about LA people? And I know I'm sure it's changed a lot since you were younger to now and the people that you're engaging with. 
Yeah, it's definitely changed over the years, but people from LA, I feel like there's a difference, a very stark difference between like a transplant, so that's mm -hmm. somebody who moved here from somewhere else, usually to make it whatever that means these days, be it entertainment or influencer or whatever, mm -hmm. and then you have people that are born and raised in LA, like we're kind of numb to the industry, so right. we're not as easily, even as easily impressed by who you know, right. or where you've been, or what celebrity you just ran into, so... I think we're just more chill, like yeah. people that are born and raised in LA, and yeah. easier to talk to, easy to get along with. Yeah, I think there's nothing worse than meeting somebody and like right off the bat they're name dropping or thinking about how they can impress you, and I'm like, who cares? Yeah. Like Same. meet people on a human level to start with, like yeah. who are you, what are you about, what are your interests, what do you care about, and then meet people and connect in that way, unless you're there for networking, but I'm talking exactly. about in like a regular yeah. social setting. like. I think so that's strange. where a lot of people get like... They, they don't know how to differentiate the two. Like, when you're in a social setting, it's okay to be cool. It's okay to get to know people. Right. It's not a waste of time right. to ask someone what their name is, how their day is, right. and not what they're about or what they're here for. Exactly. And then, okay, if you're at a mixer, it's something that you know it's business, then it's a little bit different. Exactly. So, born and raised in LA, but you've lived in a few countries. Yes. Let's get into that. So, where have you lived? So I lived in France right after graduating from college. I got my degree in journalism, but I just had fallen in love with travel. I studied abroad in Italy, but it was like a month mm, program. Italy, I love Italy Italy so is amazing. And I did, uh, after the trip, I went to France for a week. Mm -hmm. It was uh, close to the south of France. So I took a train. It was like my first solo trip. And I just fell in love with France. I fell in love with the language and became kind of obsessed so I went back to school I like finished my degree and I found this opportunity to teach English in France for a year okay and so I got accepted into the program and I went and I did the year there I traveled around and this was a, a program to teach students English? yes okay. it was, um, you could either be placed in elementary school or in high school okay and I was placed I was placed in this really small town like everyone thinks France is all Paris, Paris right, 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 right. <laughs> and it was I was lucky because it was an hour outside of Paris so oh, I nice. went really frequently and it's like one of my favorite cities on the planet so what's the name of the wonderful. city uh, it's called Moyon okay most French people haven't even heard of it it's got a population of I think 11,000 at the time oh wow okay so, which was, so about, it was a very small yeah, French town very small French okay. town about the size of like a university I guess wow you could say. yeah um but it was nice. It was local life forced me to learn the language because it, w it wasn't touristy at all. Mm -hmm. So no one really spoke English. The kids were adorable. And it also felt good to show them that someone from what someone from LA really looks like. Because mm -hmm. they think it's like movie stars. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. It looks like <laughs> Jennifer Aniston or I don't know, whatever. And so that was cool. Um, so we were both learning from each other. Because nice. I learned a lot about what real French people are like. Not everyone's wearing a beret on their head with like <laughs> a baguette on a bicycle. So. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, interesting. I mean, so the townspeople, I'm assuming, were very nice. Like cool people. Yeah, they were very nice. Very down to earth. Because my, my interactions with Parisians are not exactly <laughs> They're that. very hit and miss, I've heard. Yes, yeah. yes. From my experience. Very, very hit and miss. Um, so you were there for a year. Yeah, I was there for a year. And then I came back to LA 
And I said, okay, I'm going to get serious. And I got a job working as a marketing coordinator at an English school. So I was still kind of in the same line of like, people were there to learn English. So I was constantly around international people. And I thought that would, I guess, kind of like calm my deep desire to travel. But Mm -hmm. instead, it just made me miss it more. Because I was constantly around people from other nationalities. So you were like meeting them, working with them, and you were daydreaming of things you could be doing and seeing (laughs) and experiencing. Yeah. Totally understood. Mm -hmm. So So it's a little like torture then. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was like, I was like in this box, aka my office, and people would come and be like, yeah, I'm from this place. And they would show me pictures, and they would say, you can come, you're invited. It was like, but I have two weeks vacation, so I really can't. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was kind of like my own little personal form of torture. Lord, that sounds terrible. Yeah, and so to cope with that, I had actually started my travel blog because I also missed writing. I mean, marketing was nice. I developed some skills, but like I said, I'd studied journalism, so mm-hmm. always had that passion to write and then mix travel. So I was doing that. So all of that just kind of built up into like, get me out of here syndrome no it makes total sense yeah and so i was like well maybe i could just go teach english again for a year refresh myself Mm -hmm. but i wanted to try something different and so i saw that the french overseas territories were also available and And, so and so what so out of the french territories what were those that were available so i know they have what guadeloupe martinique mm -hmm. are there any others there's one more that's that was available and it was Reunion Island. Okay. Which is clear That's across off the of side. Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was interesting to me, but they don't pay for the flight. Mm-hmm. So that would have been a good thousand two thousand dollars yeah i mean that's a that's a yeah that's a lot to put up that's a lot and to be that far Mm -hmm. might be a little nerve wracking. Were you nervous to go even to France in the beginning? Were you nervous to do that for a year on your own? I know you had done study abroad in Italy, but I mean, committing to a year is a different thing. It is, but I just wanted to go so badly Mm -hmm. and was just so excited that this time I'd be getting paid to live there as opposed to like how I paid $5,000 for a four-week study abroad program. So I was just excited at that point, but... And how is the money? Is it... I mean, obviously, I'm not asking you how much you got paid, but is it enough that when you're living there, you feel comfortable or is it sort of like an intro salary and you're like someone who's working class um it's definitely not a whole lot of money and you don't do it to like come out with a savings or get rich but it depends on where you're placed because the one of the blessings of being in that small town is that the cost of living was i would say probably half Ah, of what it costs to live in paris that's key yeah so i had a lot of disposable income Mm -hmm. but then the people who'd been placed in paris or in like the south of france where all the rich People really live... Saint-Tropez and such. <laughs> yeah, Saint-Tropez and those areas. I think they probably struggled a little bit. That makes sense. Yeah. Huh. Good to, good to think about if anyone's considering uh, doing a program like that. Definitely, yeah. Don't you may be want You may want to do a big city, but mm-hmm. you may be placed somewhere near a big city yeah. in, a, in a town that's more affordable that can move around, especially somewhere like Europe where you can just hop around everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Did you have a chance to go to any other countries while you were stationed in France? Yeah, I was kind of crazy, and my, the other thing was that I was by, do you know Ryanair? 
Yes. It's, it's a super low yes. cost, mm-hmm. kind of sketch, uh, I guess, like the Spirit Airlines of Europe. The but... Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't flown Spirit because of all the things I have seen either. about it. But it either. sounds like a similar type of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but super cheap flights. Like, for example, once I flew from, they call it Paris Airport, but it really wasn't Paris. It was like an hour away, okay. um, which was closer to where I was living. And I got a flight from there to Milan for seven euro. Which is what? like ten dollars. Seven euros. Yes, and so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go to See, Italy for two nights. Honestly, like, I would, I would, I would have to fly Ryanair if that was the case. Seven that, yeah, euro. You can't beat that. No, you can't. It's uh, to me, it was worth it, especially since I was like 22. I was like, whatever, I'm just yeah, gonna go. Yeah, you spend that more on a meal in Europe. Oh yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so there's ways to travel around a lot very cheaply. Cool. In Europe. And so, going back to your second go-round, you're doing marketing, you're hearing people's amazing stories of where they live, they're showing you photos, (laughs) you're torturing yourself, you're basically (laughs) like stabbing yourself in the arm every time you speak to someone, and you're looking at French territory. So, what did you land on? Yeah, so I had actually chosen Guadeloupe, only because at the time, the islands weren't very talked about, I guess. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like now where you could just look on Instagram and see 5,000 hashtags of a place and kind of get a feel for it. Um, I just had to rely on whatever Google came up with and Mm -hmm. there was just more available about Guadeloupe. So I had chosen that island, but they got back to me and they said, well, we have something on Martinique that we can give you right now or you can wait and see if you can get on Guadeloupe. And I was like, well, I just got to get out of here, so I'll just take it. (laughs) Let's just see what happens. If I don't like it, I'll just come back home. Okay. And that was the other thing why, because imagine if I chose Reunion, flew over there, (laughs) hated it, and then wanted to come back. Like, what? Yeah, that would be pretty awful. Yeah, so (laughs) I went with, like, I think it was the most low-risk option. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Martinique, tell us about that experience. Living there, how long were you there? Um, Well, it's been two and a half years now. Okay. And I just got approved for a visa as a writer. So I get to stay for an extra... When does it expire? Almost another year. Yeah. So, wait, where... When did you get back from Martinique? I came back... I'm just here right now, like, visiting for the summer, basically. Oh, okay. Um, And if you follow uh, Francesca on Instagram, you never know where she is. Because it's like... (laughs) I randomly saw her post something about LA, and I'm like, oh, she's in LA, and I'm going to be in LA. And then I was like, I think I asked her about ramen or something random like oh, that. Oh, yeah, it was. I was like eating ramen, so people are like, wait, you're not in the Caribbean right Right, now? right, There's, right. Yeah. So I didn't realize you were just here for a little while. So you got a visa, and mm-hmm. you're going to be there for a little bit longer. What was that process like to get a visa? Ooh, it was not easy. So when you go over to teach English, I guess the government already knows that you have a job, that you have someone sponsoring you, and that they don't have to worry about you trying to stay and quote-unquote steal the resources because Martinique that is sounds, France. That sounds of like a very privileged perspective, it, it but is. yes. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. Um, yeah, Martinique is a part of France, so it's very different from the other islands. They have a lot of government assistance, health care, etc., so I think that's where the biggest roadblock comes when trying to get a visa. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to see a whole lot of samples of work. I had to get like letters from my parents saying, if she falls into financial turmoil, we will rescue her. Like, wow. Yeah, I had to get a lawyer involved. It's a lot. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to move to France, you got to have all your ducks in a row. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. When I did, I visited Martinique um, 
with Norwegian Airlines last year because they go direct from New York. Oh, yeah. And it was interesting to see the pride that people had about being French. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's, it's, it was very unique to all, all the other Caribbean islands that I'd, I'd ever been to, which I guess have a different relationship because, uh, you know, they were formerly owned by these European countries, but right. then it was like a war, basically, to break to freedom. But mm-hmm. the territories like Martinique and Guadeloupe that are still fully connected and are considered a part of that country, yeah. they're like voting on the president. Yes. So it's a very, very different situation. And they have so much pride in being a part of France. They do. Which... Which to me is very interesting because it's like... It's a it's a very layered concept because you have the pride in it, but you still have the history of slavery. and yeah. They have a very, very clear, rich history in slavery. If you've ever visited Martinique, like the... Some of the places that, that slaves were held are still pretty much intact and you can see like the quarters and all that stuff so so yeah martinique it it's actually changed me a lot just as a black person it made me understand the history of slavery and how serious it was because i got to see it with my own eyes and they're very serious about preserving these places Mm -hmm. and they'll put the dates they put the true history they'll tell you how people were tortured and it just made me see it differently because here in la like of course, it's a chapter in the history book. If you go the extra mile and take an African studies class, then you'll learn about the Middle Passage and things like that. Right. But aside from that, I feel like my perception was like, not that it didn't happen, but it just didn't feel as real as mm-hmm. going and seeing it for yourself and understanding what people went through and that mm-hmm. we really are the descendants of enslaved Africans and what does that mean? Yeah. So, I mean, the U.S. in general... Um, I don't know. It's a weird concept of like trying to brush it under the rug yes. that slavery existed. And especially with the progress of black people in this country, it's almost like, oh, but we're good now. But it's like, no, you need to know the details and intricacies of what happened to understand how we've developed. Yeah. Because it definitely has an, a long-term impact on a culture of a people having yeah. been enslaved. So going through that experience in Martinique and seeing... One, how much they embrace it and not run from it. And then also just how much they preserve it. And you can like walk where they were and have those experiences was definitely transformational. Yeah, I would say so, for sure. And is, so I'm assuming it's one of your favorite Caribbean countries because you're going, (laughs) you're extending your stay. Yeah, Um, I don't know if you know this, but I wrote a guide to the island. No, tell uh, us more about it. Oh yeah, I published, it's the world's first guide to martinique for english-speaking travelers nice. and it's all digital hopefully one day i can get it in print but um it's all digital and i just took that insider knowledge um and put it into a book because i was getting so many questions about what to do what to see how mm-hmm. to translate things mm-hmm. because that's another thing about yeah preserving their french identity is that they are very much we speak french it's french first for sure <laughs> english is not a national oh i just <laughs> English is not a national language, so we don't have to cater to you type thing. Yeah, exactly. And which I respect heavily. I think that's preserved the culture and that's what makes it a very fascinating place to visit. But at the same time, if you don't speak French, you just don't speak French. Yeah. So I created a resource for American and English speaking travelers to 
be able to break through that and still get like a local experience without really knowing the local personally. So that's awesome. That's also part of what kept me there is for research and additional projects and building up the guide. And so where can people get this guide? They can get it on my website, uh, onegirlonewhirl.com, or they can find it on Amazon. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, it was an interesting, it was my first time visiting a French, even a French speaking Caribbean island. Mm-hmm. And so having that experience, I'm, my family obviously being from the Caribbean, um, most of my family's from Grenada, so it, which was ruled by the French um, at first, but then was taken over by the British. So the official language is English. They're remnants of Creole. And a lot of the uh, neighborhoods and towns have French names, like Carinage and Morne Rouge and things like that. But it's nowhere near like going to a Caribbean island that speaks French. I was just so, it was so <laughs> confusing to me. I don't know. It was just very strange. Was it? Yeah. That's... I mean, it, just because the only time I had really been to a French speaking country was in Europe, in France. And I'd never seen it in the Caribbean, but everywhere else that I've been is either in Spanish or English. And I'm sure, I mean, there are a good amount. It was just my first time. So it was just like a, almost like a, a fascination. Like, oh, like I'm in the Caribbean, but they're speaking French. <laughs> okay, it's, cool. Yeah. It's That's very interesting. interesting. Your perspective is interesting. I had a friend in Martinique, and she was from St. Vincent. Mm-hmm. And it that kind of drove her crazy because she was like, what's wrong with you people? You're Caribbean. <laughs> like, why are you acting like this? Like... <laughs> You know, they don't eat the same things. It's heavily inspired. The cuisine is heavily inspired by French. Yeah. Like, the mannerisms, the slang. And yeah. At the end, she was just like, oh, get me out of here. These, <laughs> these French Caribbean people, I can't. So. It's, it's, it's just different. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's bad, but it was, it was just very different. It was an eye-opening experience. It was like, oh, this is unique. I would put it... It's definitely I would, I would definitely unique, yeah. say that's the best way to describe it. I was like, it's, a, it's an experience. And it's something that I think is worth checking out because it's like, sure. it's it's rare for the most part. Most of the Caribbean is English, probably English followed by Spanish speaking, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. I think mostly English. Yeah. I mean, you have DR, mm. Puerto Rico, few few Spanish speaking countries, but yeah. So what, what do you love most about Martinique? Ooh. Um, that's such a good question. Um, I think I personally love the French influence. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because, because you lived there yeah. and you loved that experience. So, so that was comfortable to me. Um, in the parts, of, I feel like the Caribbean aspect of Martinique took the most adjusting for me because okay. it was, I'd lived in France and I guess the climate and everything of the Caribbean, it's not exactly the same as LA, but it's similar palm trees yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. But just things like, what can I say? Like things like going into the forest barefoot like, yeah. and things like that are things that I guess are normal to Caribbean people yeah, yeah, are yeah. getting used to mosquitoes and I'm never going to be used to mosquitoes. Yeah. Oh my God. And Grenada has some of the worst. They just eat you up as soon as you like land. It's crazy. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> and I haven't found like the right solution yet. I've tried there's everything. no solution. Yeah. There's no solution. They're going to get you. I'm starting to accept that there's just no <laughs> magic formula for getting rid of mosquitoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would say my, one of my favorite parts is the mix of French culture, but the Creole, they call it like the Creole culture of Martinique, which is the Car- French and Caribbean combined. Mm-hmm. 
I love that. I learned how to do like the head wrap, which is a very traditional thing in Martinique, mm -hmm. and um, try to pick up a few Creole words and phrases. It's really hard though. <laughs> um, yeah, there were a few things. Um, like I said, there's like lingering Creole words in Grenada. So a few things that they were saying, I was like, wait, I perked up like, <laughs> I know what that is. So that was cool. Um, I think, what did I, what did I like most about Martinique? I think um, it's beautiful. That's one. Yeah, there's that It has that a great too. landscape. Gorgeous. And um, it has like a, I guess the French influence too. I think it was weird for me to see it, but it's like kind of sexy. Like, oh, we're speaking French in <laughs> yeah. the Caribbean. That's like too, too, uh, it's like a cultural fusion that is, is just interesting. So I like that part of it. I agree with that. And then, of course, you do have, like, the beaches, which is, oh, I feel yeah. like, super cliche to, shape to say, but the beaches there, it's different because they have black sand, they have mm -hmm. white sand, they have an active volcano. Yeah. And so there's that aspect and rivers and waterfalls. And there was um, the my favorite beach, I can't remember the name of it right now, but I went to it on my last day. But it was, like, in town, which was weird because most amazing beaches are, like, out of town, yeah. so there's less people. But the best beach was like I'm, whatever the main building is. I can see I can see it in my head. But is it, it like a church? Yeah. Oh, okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, the beach. And I'm like, oh, this is the best beach. But it was like in passing, and I was like, <laughs> can we please stop yeah. and get out? <laughs> what, and what's like, the name of that? It's called um, Os Darle. Yes. 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 There yes, it yes, is. yes. And it's yeah, it's interesting because it's a church, and if you didn't look to your right, exactly, you wouldn't even know. And that's a what beach that's there. what we were doing. So we were in the car, and the guy was like talking to us about the church, and I happened to turn the other mm -hmm. way, and I was like, "Hold on, <laughs> <Wait> <laughs> this water looks amazing over here, actually." Yeah. Um, yeah, Martinique, Martinique was cool. So, what other Caribbean countries are at the top of your list? Because your platform at this point is more focusing on travel to the Caribbean and exploring yes. what those experiences are. Um, I would say, in no order, if I had to choose like a top three, I would put, let's just assume Martinique is like in a there. Given. So yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, let's go ahead and choose another three. So I would say Barbados. Okay. I loved the food there. It was amazing. Have okay. You been? I've been to Barbados two times or three times. And I have had all bad food experiences. <gasps> no. Which is so crazy. And me and all my family, I went for a crop over. What? Um, <laughs> and we were like, are we just not eating at the right places? Which we may not have. There was one place the very first year we went called Scotty's that was in St. Lawrence Gap. Like all the way at the end of the Gap. Oh, uh, the Gap. Okay. And the food was so good. But then they closed the next time we went. Uh, and so I'm like, maybe we're just not eating at the right places. Did you ever go to the fish fry? Yes, oysters. Uh huh. Yeah, the the seafood there was good. That's the food that I loved. Yeah, it was it good. Was, yeah, but I don't. I was like, in comparison to other Caribbean islands, I was least impressed oh, okay. with Barbados food. Interesting. Yeah, but again, oysters also is like what twenty different restaurants. So yeah, there's we like also five. could have not gone to the to best the right place one, there. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. That's so funny because I'm like all you about love that. The food? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was good. I just. We were we were like oh, a little let down with the food. The best food that we had in Barbados was actually on a catamaran, elegance catamaran. Oh, is when you go out and snorkel with the turtles. Yeah, the food there was like oh my god, this is the food we were looking for. Like it was it was amazing. But we I actually just uh, found this article randomly online about top 
10 places to eat in Barbados, and I'm like, I didn't try any of this, so I'm going to give Barbados another okay, shot on the yeah, food Yeah, you got to give it another chance. I have to find that article, too. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so outside of the food, what else do you like about Barbados? Um, the beaches, of course, are stunning. The beaches are amazing yeah. in Barbados. The water, the sand is so fine. Yeah, my um, favorite beach in Barbados is, um, Carlisle Bay. It's called Dover uh, Beach. yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite. The water is, like, pristine like it's mm-hmm. just there's nothing there but water and i'm like that's that's my kind of beach i hate seaweed i hate oh, me too. i hate seaweed i hate, no some people are okay with seaweed though it's very strange but i'm like appalled like i can't go in the water if there's seaweed in the water oh uh, i'm like not appalled but appalled. i don't like it either i can't do it i can't do it <laughs> seaweed anything floating along i'm like it's weird uh-huh. i'm fine with like fish though like, some people are worried about seeing fish in the, in the beach, but I'm not fine with that. I like the fish. It's like a nice touch. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> seaweed, not so much. But fish seaweed, not so much. <laughs> like, ugh, yeah, I hate it just gliding on my leg and being slimy. It's just, ugh, gross. <laughs> anyway, so aside from Barbados, what are the other two Caribbean countries? Um, I would say Grenada. Hey, are you saying that because <laughs> I'm know, here? I'm not just saying that because you're, <laughs> you're here, I promise. So talk um, to me about what you loved about Grenada. I just felt like the people there were so chill and genuinely nice. Yeah. Like, because, you know, sometimes you go to certain islands and it's all about the tourism. Mm -hmm. So you kind of can feel when someone's being nice to you because they have to versus being genuinely welcoming, which I don't expect anybody to welcome me. It's your home island. I'm coming to you. So you don't have to serve me with a smile or anything. But at the same time. It's nice when you can sit and just chat with people, like mm-hmm. pull up to the bar and just start talking and get to know their story and get to know more about the island and things like that. So that's that's Grenada for you. You you sit up on the beach and somebody come next to you, hey girl, what's going on? <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they just talk you up, want to know about you. You learn about them, and then Grenada is the type of place that if you're open to it, you'll meet a local and get a whole different experience and end up. Like at some far end of the island that you wouldn't have been in otherwise, or at the Sulphur Springs or somewhere random like that because you met some cool people. So yeah, I felt that. That actually happened to me. It was through Instagram. I met one girl and she was like, "Oh, I'm not there, but I promise my friend. She's like a local radio host. She'll take you around. Like oh, she's cool. really nice." And she did, and I was like, "Wow, I can't believe she's being so open to me and taking me to see all these places." And she genuinely wanted to make sure I left with a good impression oh yeah even though she didn't know me and i was just touched by that yeah and i met actually i met a really good friend out there kareed do you know kareed yeah it was her oh kareed yeah yeah. she wasn't in town at the time so she hooked me up with missy chrissy do you know her no 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 but i link up with kareed every time i go out to okay i didn't meet her but she seems really nice she's really cool we met um through instagram too and we connected there and then the first time after that time that we connected on instagram i'm like we have to link up she was mad cool. And then her last name is the same as most of my family. So I'm like, we're oh. somehow related. I don't know how, but somehow. But yeah, Grenada is obviously one of my favorites. Did you have any experiences with like, well, we talked about your experiences with locals, but what else did you like about Grenada? I liked... Because uh, it's, it's, it's really more about the vibe for me. It's like a very, there's a certain feeling I feel when I get there. That's not about being from there, but it's more like super relaxed and carefree. That's how I get when I'm there. I felt that. Um, I was actually there for the chocolate festival. Okay. So that was interesting to learn about. And I don't eat chocolate at all. Oh, so. you don't? No. I hate chocolate. Oh, which it's is so good. The there. strangest thing uh, yeah. for most people, but yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. It 
the chocolate was the bomb. It was um, interesting to see how it goes from like the plant mm -hmm. to what we consume as just chocolate, as mm -hmm. candy, um, and just how they built an economy around it and they're trying to be self-sustaining and not rely on importing things. So that was very cool to see. Um, and what else did we do? I mean, it was very chocolate heavy, everything that I did. <laughs> Trying to think of what else. Um, I Oh, the Spice Market in yeah. St. George's. Mm -hmm. So that was nice. That was It was different from the other Caribbean capitals. It, it felt busy, but not super busy. Like, not overwhelmingly right. Right, right, right. busy, yeah. which was nice. Cool. Like, people could still, like I said, sit and talk to you. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And what's, what's rounding out your top three outside of Martinique? Um, I will say, well, I'd have to give it another visit, I guess, to say that it's one of my favorite places. But I guess one of my favorite experiences was uh, Montserrat. Okay. And it I was, haven't been. Yeah, it's cool because most people haven't been. So that was kind of like an honor for me to go and expose people to this place yeah. that most hadn't even heard of. Uh, you have to go to Antigua and then take a boat or this tiny ass plane. Yeah. Can I cuss on yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this like, tiny plane uh, with like seven people. Yeah. Oh, that was crazy. Um, yeah, was I, I've, I've taken that kind of plane a few times. Um, when I went to the Seychelles to get to the smaller islands, you mm -hmm. get on one of those putt-putt planes. And then Grenada to the sister island, Karakou, you're getting on one of those planes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but Montserrat, I only knew about it through, in college, I had a friend from Montserrat, and I was like, oh, I thought I knew all the Caribbean countries, <laughs> but then I learned about it. But what, what did you like about Montserrat? It was kind of like Grenada, where the people were very chill, like okay. I felt like I could just talk to people really easily. Uh, there is not that much tourism there, so it's more of a laid-back vibe, and just the history of the Plymouth volcano mm. that exploded and how resilient the people had to be afterwards. So basically right. this volcano went off and the capital city was at the base of the volcano. Oh my, yeah. what? So it wiped out the entire That's capital. That's crazy. Yeah, but they were, it feels weird to say blessed because it's a horrible thing that happened. Right. But at the same time, it was it was an immediate explosion out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. They knew it was coming. They had time to move, to prep, to leave the island. So, it wasn't tragic as in the number of deaths or anything like that, but mm -hmm. just, I mean, it's still like a yeah, lot of Yeah, but you come back home, yeah. right, and it's just gone. So that was very interesting, and the people are very kind, very humble, The be all black sand beaches. I think oh. there's one white sand beach, I didn't make it there, but, um, so that's always interesting to me, just to see something different. All black sand beaches? Mm -hmm. Interesting. And Montserrat, is Montserrat, yeah, it's one of those, like, nature islands, like the, the big draw is that it's like being one with nature yeah. it's not yeah there and um dominica yeah which is also an island that i love i've never been there either oh it's it's amazing same thing like i guess i just i'm realizing now i was talking to you i have like a preference for the smaller yeah cozier local type islands sounds like it so let's talk about your career in blogging so what made you what made you start it your blog um, so I started my blog just as a way to kind of like change the narrative that was out there of what a traveler looked like. I think we still have a very long way to go, but little by little there's more bloggers of color, so mm -hmm. that's great. Um, but that was why I started and just 
passion for writing and travel together just made sense. Um, and yeah, I still have the same passion and same goal just to tell stories. But now it's shifting more away from just look at me, I'm here, and this is what I'm doing. It's like, well, how you can do it, or 10 right. things you can do while you're there, or interviewing locals and interviewing right. people so that it's more about the experience and not just one girl having her adventure. Nice. And so how, what are some of, what are some of the highlights of blogging? Like, where has it taken you that you've been like, wow, okay, this is really moving? <laughs> Um, well, uh, two out of the three of the places that I mentioned that were my favorite island so mm -hmm. far, I only went to because of my blog. So nice. for Montserrat, I was invited to cover their St. Patrick's Day Festival, and then Grenada I was there for the Chocolate Festival. Nice. So that's been cool, but people don't realize that this is four years later, right. and I'm just starting to get these types of opportunities. So. Right. And so... What did they reach out to you? Did you have to pitch them? How did how did that process work? Um, I pitched them, and this was for both. I made that contact like a year ago. Okay. And I just said, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. Caribbean is becoming my niche, and people respect and look to me for advice from the region. So if you ever have anything, let me know. Okay. And just constantly trying to remind them, hey, I'm here. Do you guys right. have anything coming up? And then eventually, I got email and I was invited so that's cool that's awesome and I think a lot of times people wonder like when you're building a travel platform the the right way to go about reaching out about yeah. opportunities there are a lot of articles now that are, are uh, hotels and airlines and um, tourism boards just being super frustrated with influencers reaching out and you know them thinking that influencers and I guess both of us would fall into that category of yeah. like travel influencers they're just super frustrated with it. But I think for us who have been working on our platforms for years, like I, I started Soul Society six and a half years ago. It's like, wow. no, I've been doing this for a long yeah. time and it's hard to build an audience and it's hard work to stay committed even when you put a post up and at first it's like five people reading yeah. it. To get to where you are, like you've, you've sort of worked towards this goal or earned the rights almost to reach out and pitch as... A legit outlet with an audience Definitely. the same way a magazine or I guess larger corporate website would and a lot of times audiences respond to us better because we're individual peoples mm -hmm. without people without agendas of you know a larger corporate pull and so it's like no we've sort of worked for it I think as long as you reach out respectfully and in the right way like you said not just maybe just randomly putting yourself on people's radar so that they know about you versus being like, hey, I'm going to be in your country in two weeks and I need a hotel and a yeah. whatever. First of all, you don't need, you don't require anything when you reach <laughs> out. Would you agree? Like that's Yeah, I would agree. I think, so, I guess I've talked to different people and they feel differently. Some people like the more direct you are, the better to get to the point. But I think there's a respectful way to do that too. Mm -hmm. If you mm -hmm. say... I'll be here in two weeks, and if you're interested, a hotel would be nice, instead of just being like, give me two nights at a hotel, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, an, yeah. it's a delicate it's dance. It's very <laughs> delicate. There's a lot of different opinions out there floating around. Yeah, but essentially, these brands are just like, people are reaching out with 
like a thousand followers and they're demanding the world and <laughs> I think one particular article was about the Maldives and how obviously oh goodness, it's a very yeah. Instagrammable place so a lot of travel influencers reach out to the Maldives to, to get you know the hotel stay and excursions and things like that um, but yeah I, I mean I personally don't think there's anything wrong with it I guess I've seen social media pages post about it and the comments of people being like that's outrageous that people would expect things for free but I don't think they realize like magazines and websites do the exact same mm -hmm. thing we didn't come up with this concept yeah. of pitching in terms of getting a media partnership for something like it's not a it's not a new concept no it's not and to me it's like well it's they're getting something out of it too right. so you would otherwise have to pay a photographer develop content for your Instagram develop content for your blog, pay for advertising, so they're also getting something out of it. It's not like, here's a hotel, enjoy yourself. Exactly, and and I'm glad you brought that up because that's another piece that I think people don't understand. The, the role of being a travel influencer or a travel writer, blogger, is not all fun. And I think people... Yeah, people people don't really don't realize, like, on some press trips that I've been on, it's been like... Be ready for 7 a.m. We're going to have a full itinerary nonstop all day. And then we're going to have dinner. And then don't you want to have drinks after? And so there have been times where I've barely got to enjoy staying at my hotel with like a personal plunge pool. And I'm like, oh my God, I just want like two hours. I just want two hours to myself. You have to interview people. You have yeah. to constantly be on the go. A lot of times you're on other people's timeline. So it's not, it's work. Like it's it work. Is. And so you're not just there casually, leisurely walking along the beach and taking photos when you feel like it. At least it's not like that most of the time. Yeah, most of the time, like you said, it's like a set schedule. And even if you stay at a hotel on your own, I mean, you still have to make sure you get that shot, like the great picture for Instagram. You have to take notes so that you can have information for your blog or however it is that you use your influence. And it's not just sitting on the beach with a pina colada i guess that's the job though to make it look like <laughs> yeah that's a, yeah i realized that the like, job is to yeah. make it look like that so i guess it's a two-sided thing you know how it's like celebrities people don't realize all that goes into what it takes to True. have that lifestyle but i guess the job of a celebrity is to make it all look amazing yeah i never thought of it me like either that. i just yeah. thought about it as i'm talking to you so yeah. i guess bitter people i kind of understand a little bit now <laughs> Yeah, some things are starting to click right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I guess the the always having the perfect shot and that being, like, the one snapshot that you see over and over mm -hmm. would make it seem that your life is leisure. Yeah, even my family, they're like, oh, my God, when are you going to get serious? You're just out there, like, having fun all the time. And like, you don't understand. Like, <laughs> I have to do what they want. Like, when I did the press trip... Um, I went to Antigua as well. Mm -hmm. They were very, it was very relaxed. Like they, I think they were mindful of the fact that if you're a blogger, an influencer, if you're going to really tell someone the truth about the experience and how awesome it is, you have to at least have some time to sit and relax and enjoy it. And that's the right way to do it. I think um, if there are any tourism hosts out there listening, totally understanding you having an agenda and what mm -hmm. you would like to push about the experience, but also just allotting some time for free reign for people to do what how, how they would experience your country, to give them that yeah. lane. Because if my lane is, let's say, food, 
and we've barely sat down at really good restaurants, yeah. then it doesn't serve you well to not have me have the time to do that. Or if my lane is beaches and I'm, you know, always rating the top beaches or talking about my favorite beaches, but we've gone to one beach, mm-hmm. doesn't serve you well. Yeah. So maybe leaving that time out is a, is a good thing. But anyway, you were talking about your experience in uh, Antigua. Oh, yeah. We're, oh, yeah. So, but yeah, that's a good thing to note. Like if anyone's listening that is behind the scenes and like making decisions on these trips it really did make a difference having like the leisurely time to absorb the place. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there were certain activities that we had to do. And so it's not just the way a regular vacation would be where it'd be like, well, I don't feel like doing anything, but getting a massage at 1 PM, eating at 3 PM and then going to the club later that night. Right. It's like, no, you have to try this restaurant because they kind of want you to write about yeah. this restaurant. <laughs> you have to talk to the hotel owner because they really want you to like the hotel because you have to talk about this detail or they right. just remodeled the pool. Right. So you have to go see the pool even if you can't swim and you'd oh rather my God. go, <laughs> you'd rather go, I don't know, play volleyball or something. Right. Like, yeah. It's a lot more structured than people realize. But then, like you said, I guess that's kind of our job is to... Make it look great. Yeah. Have you ever had an experience working with a tourism board where you didn't, or a hotel or airline, whatever, where you didn't like something about the experience, but they wanted you to report on it anyway? I've been fortunate to not have that happen to me yet. Okay. I've heard stories, and it's interesting to see how people handle it, because some people are just honest. Yeah. And then some people, you can tell they're like just trying to squeeze whatever they can to make it look good. Yeah. I've had that experience, I think, like two times that I can think of. And I'm all about being honest. Like, I I think as you work as a media, as you're building a brand and you want to build an authentic audience that looks to you as a true source, you mm-hmm. have to be honest. Like, there, yeah. there's nothing worse than spending your money and going somewhere and realizing it's not everything that people hyped it up to be. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll tell you two sides of the story. So outside of working with brands, just visiting countries in general and sort of taking the lead of people I follow on Instagram or blogs that I follow or there's so many places that places that I'm like okay why has no one ever mentioned this <laughs> this detail like one of them being South Africa and Cape Town the beach the water is ice cold no one has I, I would ever that. mentioned that and so I'm going to the beach and I'm like ready to get in the water and I'm like <laughs> no. oh this is going to be an amazing day the beach, the, because the water is coming up from uh, Antarctica. Oh, and so South Africa is the southernmost point of Africa, so that water is coming from the ice caps. Oh. So even though Cape Town in the summertime is like 90 degrees Fahrenheit, the beach is hot, the water is ice cold. So Still, the, even in the summer. Yeah. So the only people in the water are like surfers with a full wetsuit on and people who are like, the, the two people who are like able to brave the cold in, in the, in the <laughs> cold-ass water, but... I'm like, I wish somebody would have said that. Well, yeah. <laughs> so now you guys know, but like things like that. Like, I like to tell that angle because it's like, there's you're supposed to be a guide to people. Yeah. And and you can't get so caught up in like making everything perfect that you're now misleading people. So, the other side of that is actually working with tourism boards. <laughs> there have been a few situations where it's like, oh, I really didn't like this hotel, mm. or I went to this restaurant and. Actually, the food was trash. So, like, <laughs> and so in those cases where I've been hired to 
share content about a place, I highlight what I did like about it. Because there's always okay, something to like about sense. anything. Yeah. But then I also talk about what, what, what I would have liked to see, if oh, that okay. makes sense. So it's like a restaurant <clears throat> that I went to had an amazing view. It was right on the beach. So it's super relaxing. The waves are crashing. You have your frontward facing view. That's amazing. We can talk about that. Yeah. The fish, I wish was like a little season better. <laughs> but I can't, I just, I don't feel comfortable just covering it up and making it seem like everything yeah. was great. Even if I was commissioned by whatever, a brand, because it's just, it's, I have to be authentic to that. Yeah. But it is, I mean, there. I know for a fact there are some people who are like, we'll just cover it up, make it seem yeah. all amazing. But, you know, that doesn't serve your audience well. No, it doesn't. And I, like, dread the day that I'll suggest something and someone will actually go try and be like, why the hell would you tell me yeah, to go here? I hate that on a regular <laughs> basis. Like, even friends, like, when I went to London and um, I ate at this restaurant, Duck and Waffle, and I loved the experience. The views, it's, like, one of the highest points in the city with 360 views. Mm -hmm. The food was banging. The vibe was cool. So I posted about it. And then, um, actually, a fellow travel blogger uh, traveling with Melanin, she went the day after and was like, oh, I didn't really like it. And I was like, sorry, <laughs> I did not. There's <laughs> some things you can't control. People have different tastes. Yeah. There's also inconsistencies and things. But in general, I hate when people don't like my recommendations. So I especially have to really try to give my, yeah. my true opinion. Yeah, I think that's um, authenticity is key. People say that all the time. And I feel like it's becoming a cliche, but it's true. And I just think of what I would like to, or I just think of like how I would feel if I saw a place and someone said it was so amazing, the food was the bomb and all this stuff, and then I went and it was trash. Like that would be really upsetting. Yeah. And I try, yeah, I try to have moments too where I sit, talk about things that people probably wish they would have known. Like mm -hmm. I've addressed catcalling in mm. the Caribbean, which I think is something to be prepared for. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember in Barbados, I was with um, I was with my wife and my cousin and her boyfriend, and we're like hand in hand walking from the beach, and this guy was like, hey, you condense, which condense milk is like sweet milk, so he's calling my wife like sweet milk. Hey, you condense, oh you're looking good, girl. And I turned around and he's like, yeah? Like, he had no regard oh for the God. fact that I was like walking with my wife. And then my cousin, he's like, after he realizes like, okay, I'm gonna stop talking to this guy's wife. He's like, exotic, hey, you exotic with the braids. <laughs> and I'm, and my cousin's boyfriend looked around like, listen, you don't want it today. Like, let's just... Catcalling the Caribbean is a, a it's serious bar thing. Barbados, yeah, it's crazy. I was actually, uh, I was on the beach with my boyfriend, and, but I was in the water. He was on the shore. Uh -huh. And this guy was, like, going hard, trying to get at me. And I was, like, pointing, like, over there. Like, that's my boyfriend. He's like, yeah, but he's not in the water, though. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. like, what? It's, like, what, what do you actually expect to happen from this yeah, engagement? Like, yeah, right now? <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to give you a hug, and then, and then what? Like, what do you... It's a very, it's a very interesting thing. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. The tourists that come, like, I've addressed how Europeans usually will do this. Like, they'll think, when I have my fro and stuff, and, like, I get a deeper tan when I'm in the Caribbean, so I guess they think I'm from there, and they're mm -hmm. like, oh, can I take a picture of you or a picture with you? 
It's like that is strange. It's very strange. It's like this is not a zoo. Yeah, <laughs> I am right. not an animal, and I'm not even from here. So like, what's the point? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That is interesting. So that's like I, little things like that. I try to like tell people just so. So they can be prepared. Yeah. So obviously you have an affinity for Caribbean travel. Is your family from the Caribbean? Actually, no. My family uh, on my mom's side, though, is from her mother was from Honduras and then her father was from Costa Rica. So there's that Central American um, side to me. And I think that's why I feel comfortable in the Caribbean. There's a lot of similarity in cultures and the way people are. and That makes total sense. So you speak three languages. Yes. Which, like, she didn't even want to tell me this, guy. She made it seem like it was super casual, I know, I super forget. normal. <laughs> I forget that that's, like, not the norm, especially no. in the U.S. No, and yeah. you're speaking to me in one of your several languages. So, <laughs> so what are the languages that you speak? Yes, it's English, of course, and then French from living in France in Martinique, and then Spanish, but it's actually not what you would think because my grandmother never spoke English. I mean, my grandmother never spoke Spanish to us oh, okay, or even to like my mom doesn't speak Spanish fluently like she didn't huh. I think it was something to do with immigrating here like at the time it wasn't it was better to integrate fully Absolutely. into American yeah. culture as yeah. opposed to how it is now where right. it's like normal to be totally bilingual so um, I didn't learn from her but of course having that side of myself I wanted to further explore that and we went to go visit her village when I was 18 for the first time and see where she grew up and of course everyone there speaks Spanish and Garifuna right. which is the local dialect and that really sparked it and like drove it home so it went from two years of Spanish in high school and just trying to get the class over with to really being like okay I need to master this language because it's part of me it's part of my heritage like my people I want to go back one day that is so cool yeah and wow what a claim to make I mean I can't I can't imagine officially like taking my own steps to learn a language. I've tried so many times with Duolingo, and I'm like... Uh, Duolingo. <laughs> I'm like, gato, cat. <laughs> yeah. They'll give you the basics, but... Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, a, it's not enough to be conversational yeah. at all. But that's dope. So what's next for you? You're going back to Martinique, which we know. Yes, I'll be headed back uh, next month to Martinique to just continue the journey of writing about the Caribbean, hopefully I can pitch like bigger magazines. And then I just got invited to the Jamaica Food and Drink Festival for October, oh, so I'm super excited that. About sounds that. super exciting. Jamaican food is definitely one of my favorites, for sure. Yeah, I haven't had much of it. Like, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit I've never even tried jerk chicken. Oh my God, <laughs> how is that possible? I know, it's like... A Jamaican staple but now I'm kind of glad that I waited because I'll have the first real experience in Jamaica but I'm scared for you <laughs> <laughs> why is that <laughs> because I mean there are levels to jerk chicken like there there's some that aren't spicy really and some that are like you're trying to kill me spicy and I'm, I'm nervous that you don't you don't have like a good like what is your barometer of spicy right now um, well, I've been trying to build a tolerance because in the Caribbean, like, I've there's been trying always... <laughs> to build a tolerance. <laughs> like, to me, before I was like, ooh, Tabasco, this is super oh spicy. God. Like, <laughs> please, no more than three drops. <laughs> and now, now I can put like four or five in my, uh, in my food, but. Do you, so do you cook Caribbean food? 
in Martinique or do you cook more American or what you would cook at home? Um, you know, that's kind of again where the French thing kind of kicks in. It's weird, mm. like the stuff that you buy in the store, it's like yogurt and goat cheese and like all the stuff that's imported from France. Right. But um, whenever I'm with the locals or like with my boyfriend's parents, it's Martinican food. But they don't put that much spice either okay. in Martinique. Okay. Because I was going to say, I mean, maybe that has like warmed up the palate. But yeah, I guess Jamaican food and Martinican food are very different. Ooh, I'm sure, yeah. So I was going to say, you know, start... I don't know if scotch bonnet peppers are available in Martinique, but that's like the base of a lot of the spice mm. in Jamaica. And that'll get you equipped. A lot of the cooking in Jamaican food is not even like cutting up the pepper, but like just cooking it with the pepper in the pot with the food to, to build oh, that spice Oh, yeah, they up. do that in Martinique too, okay. where it's like not the seed inside exactly. that's exposed exactly. it's just the pepper yeah yeah so if they have scotch butter peppers start with that I'm a little nervous I will <laughs> look into that I need a full recap of your first jerk chicken actually just report it Report yeah. report on your jerk chicken experience. I gotta do that. Now that I know that that's, okay, a lot weirder than I thought it was. But I haven't <laughs> had jerk chicken. I thought, okay, I'm gonna have to make that a thing. Like that, I'll definitely document my first experience. Yeah, I need to see, like, your face. I need to see if you're, like, <laughs> pass me water right now before I, like, pass out. But that's exciting. Have you been to Jamaica before? I went as a kid. Um, we went on, like, a family, gym, uh, family vacation to Sandals. But I was like 15, mm. I was, they were serving burgers and fries. At the yeah, bar. and Sandals is also about enjoying the resort, not so much the experience of Jamaica. Yeah. Um, which there are, Jamaica is different from most of the Caribbean because it's huge, so it's like, there are a lot of different parts and a lot of different, like each part has its own vibe and energy and the accents are slightly different oh. and the food is slightly different everywhere you go, so... It'll be cool to see who brings it for the, uh, the jerk chicken and other and other and other foods. It. Yeah, like Jamaican food. Oh my god, ackee and saltfish. Have you had before? Mm-mm, no. So this is gonna be a whole thing. I need <laughs> you to. Gonna, I need yeah. you to show it all. Ackee and saltfish, fried dumpling, jerk chicken. It's gonna be good. Yeah, I think I had my first Jamaican patty actually in Grenada. There was like a lady yeah. who had a shop. Yeah. In Saint, no, was it Grenada? Oh god, I don't remember. Anyway, it wasn't in Jamaica, but <laughs> you had a you had a patty recently. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But that's about it. So. Okay. This is gonna be a whole thing. Yeah. Looking forward to it. So your website, so everyone knows, is yes. one girl hyphen one world dot com. Yes, or you can just Google one girl one world, and it'll pop up. And that's where you report on all of your travel experiences, provide your tips. Yep. All the tips, my guide to Martinique is there, and then links to all my social, too. Cool. Yeah. Well, this has been a great episode. It's great to <laughs> meet fun. you and catching up with all this information. Yeah. Live your best life in the Caribbean, man. I, I think about it all the time. Like, what if I just picked up and moved to one of my favorite Caribbean islands? What would that be like? You should try it. You never know until you go. Guys, the next episode might be recorded <laughs> with some beach wave crashing in the background. You never know. Yeah, you never, you never know. know. All right. Thank you again for being a part of this and inspiring everybody with your travels. Continue you. to live your best, your very <laughs> best, and enjoy your few weeks in LA. Will do. Thank you. All right. So Society 101, the podcast. Peace. <laughs>